again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We have two wins to talk about, actually. Uh, back-to-back wins over Miami and Rhode Island for the Hokies as they head into a crucial game against North Carolina this week. We'll get into all of it. We'll dig into Rhode Island first, since that was the most recent thing. We'll also talk about the identity of the offense under Hendon Hooker, uh, the pass defense, which has been a little bit troubling. And, of course, we'll do our predictions and our pick three at the end. Mike, uh, I was not at the uh, Rhode Island game. I was in Miami for the whole week. Um, rained a lot. I was a little disappointed in that. But uh, very appreciative of the boss sending me out there for a week. That was nice. Um, so – Tell me the tell me the bullet points about the Rhode Island game. I mean, I read your coverage. I saw the video that Mark Berman basically said cancel the season again, which they're not. I mean, that guy. I really think he should write columns because I think he could be the next Brill because I think people would hate read it. <laughs> but uh, just just your general thoughts on what you saw on Saturday. Um, I was more lenient uh, than some. I think. Um, you know, I and and Fuente pointed this out. Two, that if you change two of those field goals to touchdowns, you know, that one, especially at the start where they were on the three-yard line, couldn't punch it in, you probably feel like that was a, a runaway victory. I mean, still, you know, between the 20-yard lines, uh, Rhode Island was able to move the ball, uh, but ultimately they only score 17, uh, put up some passing numbers. But, um, you know, I think if it was uh, 40 to something, and I said that was kind of what I was looking for because they hadn't scored 40 points in back-to-back weeks since 2016. So mm-hmm. that was kind of what I was looking for. But the offense still did move the ball. Damon Hazleton, he had five catches for 90-something yards. I think it was 93. I have the stats literally right here. Um, uh, but he was targeted 10 other times, and uh, a couple of those were drops. One was a straight drop on a set, what would-be 70-yard touchdown. Um, and so, you know, couple of those plays go your way this is the blowout i think everybody's looking for and that mark berman uh was was saying that they should have had um you know i don't know what it means that they can't blow out uh an fcs school i mean i know what it means that they're not a great team yet and we know that so i don't know that we did we learn anything by it i i, I don't think so because we've seen this team play the last what going back 10 12 games that this is what the team is they're struggling a little bit um, trying to find consistency but I think certainly they took a step forward in, uh, in that right direction in the sense that they put back-to-back together games together where they won and and didn't you know Furman they struggled in every facet and couldn't move the ball on offense that wasn't the case on Saturday no and I'm team Mike when your discussion with Berman where he was like, you know, this is completely meaningless. It has no value at all. These guys don't have enough scholarships. They don't. So what? I mean, like, you know, like we know we know all that. Right. Your your point to him was Hidden Hooker had only thrown like 20 passes. Coming into that <laughs> 22. Game. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, you need reps, whoever they're against. If you trot out a high school team out there and you just have people in opposing jerseys, you're going to get something out of that. Uh, as long as you don't lose the game. Right. Um, and they didn't. Um, I, You know, following along on my phone, you know, just seeing how, you know, the tech couldn't really put them away. Uh, you know, I wasn't shocked, but the line was like 27 and a half. You know, like it, the expectation was that, that tech would win by a little bit more than they did. But, you know, I'm at the point now where, you know, you just, you just kind of 
look at it at for what it is. I mean, it's just like a, it's going to be a struggle every single week, no matter who they're playing. Yeah, and you know when you look at Hendon and that and what I said, you know he just hasn't had much experience, and this was a game where they let him loose a little bit. That they didn't just take the conservative approach. Right. You know they shut down in the second half against Miami, um, and and you know he couldn't do much, or di- and they didn't want him to do much because they didn't want to make mistakes. Here they let him go, and I think that was important that they showed confidence and kind of that. You know, he could throw, you know, deep post. He could do to do some different things than just kind of, you know, run short, you know, throws to the flat to the tight ends. He did that for another touchdown, but he also did a bunch of other stuff um, and wasn't sort of the run heavy. I mean, he ended up with tw- uh, 15 carries, but I mean, threw the ball 27 times. And so uh, I, I think that's what you wanted to see in that game where, you know, they needed to test him a little bit because they've got a big stretch of games coming up here that they're going to need him to make plays with both his arms and his legs. And so now he's not going into that North Carolina game where he's never, um, you know, if they're down, he's not he, he hasn't thrown those deep routes. He hasn't, hasn't tried to attack the secondary. Uh, he has a little bit, gotten the flow of the game a little bit. Um, those are meaningful moments, and I know it's against – um, you know, not the best competition, but uh, I think this couldn't have come at a better time for a team that made the, the switch at quarterback. You know, you pick up that Miami win, and now you're doing you get another win, and, and Hooker has some confidence because I, I think your season kind of, and this kind of kind of goes into our next topic where they found their identity. I think your season kind of, it's hard to put that all on him, but I mean, it really rests on his shoulders. I think a little bit in terms of how far this team can go. I think it's all really on Hendon Hooker right now. Well, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I know Fuente likes that second number even more than the first number. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, two weeks ago, the last time we got together for a podcast, we were sitting here talking about that being the biggest uh, – I guess that was the biggest problem I had with what Tech was doing is that – is that Fuente all out admitted? I don't. We don't have a. We don't have an offensive identity. And you wrote about it, and I wrote about it. And now they have this new quarterback, uh, and I think he's performed better than I would have imagined. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, do you feel that way too? That Hooker has uh, outperformed your expectations? Uh, you know, he the, the no mistakes. I thought there'd be more mistakes, mm-hmm. and you know, he's had a couple bad throws he'd want back. But I mean, uh, you know, every quarterback has those in a game, but. Um, been able to hold the ball when he's hit hasn't made sort of the uh, you know where Ryan would try to do a little too much would try to get rid of the ball at the last second we had no hope of a play you know the plays break down and he would make mistakes where Hooker um, has been able to show some of that scrambling ability as a dual threat quarterback but also um, just smart you know playing into the what the coaches want him to do um, but not overly so you know he's not scared to make a play but he's just making the right play and you know you think a guy he's not that young in the sense that he's been here for three years right. you know it's, it's kind of amazing to think about he enrolled early in 2017 has been through multiple three, what three spring games I think and so not you know doesn't have game experience but he's taking a lot of reps and that's what Fuente said that he's not just coming here fresh you know um never done this before you know he's he's he knows the system well he knows us knows the coaches and so but but still in the in the live environment at miami um just impressed with the composure um and then you know against weaker competition didn't try to you know those are the games you worry about where those guys were you know, can just right. try to run over them because you think you can and try to do too much and he didn't do that so yeah no mistakes like you said six touchdowns no interceptions um, there's been a couple of bad snaps, but those haven't been on him. You know, it hasn't been a redux of that 
uh, exchange from in the Duke game. You know, they've they've played pretty clean offensive football in a quarterback that's only started two games. Yeah, I think with Hooker, you know, he comes out in the first year, he's here, and he has a great spring game. He goes like 10 for 11 passing, and we're all like, ooh, this Hooker, he has a bright future. And then the next year, he doesn't play barely at all in the spring game. And it's like, whoa. And I remember a reporter from Greensboro, his hometown, Greensboro, North Carolina, actually came to that spring game. I felt so bad for the guy because there was nothing I mean, nothing to talk about other than the fact that he didn't get a chance, you know. And it was like, well, maybe he's kind of persona non grata now in this rotation. He never really felt like he had a lot of traction in trying to win the job this this fall. I didn't feel that way. I guess maybe we were making some assumptions on how that uh, that race was going to go. But to see him out there against Miami, the very first series, and just to see him looked very poised, very calm. There was, you know, you're on the road. It's, you know, these are fast athletes you're going against. Uh, they're, they're zipping around everywhere. And he did not look like a deer in headlights at all. And that was, to me, the most impressive thing. When you, when you were talking about putting put Hooker in there, it was, to me it wasn't so much would he be able to pass the ball around. Because I'd seen it in that spring game. I knew he has an arm that he, you know, he can make the throws. It was, how are you going to behave when you get out there? You know, like this is your first real opportunity to do this under the lights, not in a, like a one-off scenario where you come in, take a snap, and nobody looks comfortable in those scenarios. I've, in my experience, it just doesn't, doesn't. Uh, you just don't look like you belong because you're not the guy. Well, now that he's the guy, he took it and ran, and. Uh, you know, I can only really speak for the Miami game and the numbers that I see from the Rhode Island game, but I was super, super impressed with with his performance. And even when they stopped moving the ball in the in the third quarter, fourth quarter, when he needed to make a a play, uh, he made that throw uh, again. You know, the game winning touchdown drive made two very very big throws on that drive. Um, that showed a lot too. And so yeah, I think they. They found their. I mean, McLeese is starting to run the ball pretty well. Um, you know, I, I think it's helping your defense that you got an offense that's actually a little bit more reliable in what it's going to do each time it has the ball. You know, you know, you know, it's not these quote unquote sudden changes that they talk about so much. Well, yeah, you know, you talk about you know the defense is allowed to make mistakes, and that's yeah. kind of what I thought. Why the offense? If the offense is averaging forty points a game, the defense can have those stumbles and not kill you. Whereas against Duke. You know, you couldn't do anything, and the defense, which is going to struggle at times, um, it all compounded. And I think, you know, Hooker's helped open up things in the run game, but he's also, you know, when you go back and look at what we thought this team would be in the preseason, you thought, man, Keene's going to have a huge season. James Mitchell's going to get big catches. Damon Hazleton, Trey Turner, and Turner's been hurt the last couple weeks, but those other three guys have finally gotten involved. You know, Hazleton was hurt, obviously, early in the season, but – um, has me- immediately made an impact here. Um, and Kane, I think, is the biggest, obviously, benefactor. I mean, he's got three touchdowns the last two weeks, and that's what you wanted to see from this offense, him moving around and, and just getting the ball in space because he makes things happen. I mean, he's just killing teams. And um, uh, that's the offense you expected. And now you add the element where Willis, you know, could do a little running if he needed to, but now you add the element of Hendon Hooker being, you know, a different you know you could do a little you know and they haven't gone crazy and Cornelson said that he brings that element but we're not kind of going all in on him running the ball we're just letting it kind of develop if he has to scramble that's where it's going to come into play if he has to he needs to get a third down and things break down that's where you're going to see that and that we have and so I think it's uh, the identity is slowly coming together I think you know the running game still a little bit of a struggle but like you said McLeese 
shown some spark now mm-hmm. finally after you know you kind of thought he was done like with yeah. King kind of emerging and now King's kind of taking a back seat because you know McLeese tied a career high with 124 yards and a couple of long runs which you haven't seen from him ever mm-hmm. so um yeah, I think the offense is, you know, you don't want it to be week six and you start to slowly find your identity, but that's where there is, and I guess better late than never. Yeah, can you put your finger on why Keen was not more involved with this offense previously? There was some, you know, he did get banged up in I think, Old Dominion or Furman, and okay. so there was that, but also just a day, you know, I don't know why he wasn't more involved in the opener against Boston College. I didn't understand that. I mean, they threw the ball around a lot, mm-hmm. um, didn't really get their tight ends involved much. Um, and just, you know, they said that now the teams are packing in and worried about the run that opens things up for the tight end. Whereas before teams didn't think that they could do anything. Right. So that probably has something to do with it, but, um, just have shown to be a little more versatile on offense now. Um, and you know, so like I said, surprising that Willis kind of failed that completely where we thought the veteran guy would be able to distribute the ball to all those different guys. Now you got a, a guy that's two, two, two starts into his career and he's the one doing it. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the pass defense in just a second, but you know, I tweeted this out during the Miami game and you know, it's sort of, uh, hindsight and all that. But you know, if you look at the offenses under Fuente, the best offense they had was in 2016, and that was when they had a running quarterback in Gerard Evans. 2017, their best victory in 2017 was the opener against West Virginia. In that game, Josh Jackson was a huge part of the rushing attack. He he never ran as much as he did in that game. Um, and it just seems to me that – and, of course, last year was a mess. Uh, this year, the beginning of the year, was a mess. It, it, you know, it just kind of – if you just connect the dots, it seems like the rushing element of the quarterback position is pretty important to this offense. And even if your play calling doesn't change, just what it does to a defense where it allows yeah. you to do the things you want to do. Because um, I'm not sure that the coach, you know, if you ask Fuente or Cornelson, like, can you win with a passing quarterback? Of course they'd say yes, we can do right. whatever. But I think it does change the way defenses play you, and it changes your, you know, gives you that added element. And so um, – you know, it'll be, if they win against North Carolina, then I think a question to ask is, you know, how does he compare to uh, Gerard Evans and, and the offense you guys are? Is that kind of the mold, really, what your guys are trying to get to? You know, what you guys did in 2016? Um, it's still young, I think. You know, you're, they're still trying to figure it out and what their um, exact strengths are because um, they're only two weeks in, and I think it's going to take some time for Cornelson's play calling to – really highlight Hendon's strength and to figure out what they you know want to do them to try it out the uh, uh, wide receiver pass the reverse pass last week that was exciting to see some sort of different elements um, and the, it seems like he's a little more confident mixing things up now too a little bit whereas they were really stale I thought with Ryan Willis the, those first four weeks yeah and there was a reader on on Twitter or a fan on Twitter who I ended up retweeting because I agreed with him but he made the connection between Hooker and Brian Randall, uh, a beloved figure in Virginia Tech history. He was he was not the greatest passer in the world. He was not the fastest guy. In the, he wasn't Vic out there, but he could run and he could throw. And if he could hit an open receiver, and he could manage a game. Um, and you know he was part of some really good teams. And and is Hooker a little? F- uh, what they say, wiggle more wiggle <laughs> than, than than Randall. I'm trying to remember how well Randall ran. I mean, I knew 
I, he was I, capable, but I, 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 I don't think know Hooker's how, probably got a little yeah, more wiggle. Yeah. Um, and you, you can see him when he's out in the open field. He does those shoulder, literally wiggles his shoulders and try to <laughs> juke guys. Um, and I think he he relishes those opportunities. I don't really remember Randall doing that. I mean, I think he was the kind more if straight he saw forward, a lane, yeah. he'd hit it and he'd get the get the first down. All right, let's get into pass defense because that is the that is the flip side of this. Uh, the last six quarters. Uh, starting with the, the second half of the Miami game, the, the the past events has been pretty porous. What are you seeing there, and what's what's the It's weird because I think Caleb Farley's having an okay season, pretty good numbers-wise, statistically. Pro Football Focus has done a bunch on him and, and shown that he's, he's – you know, teams are having trouble uh, targeting uh, receivers that he's, he's guarding. I thought Jermaine Waller's played well, um, but teams are just doing these, like, you know, the quick strike – passing and three-step drops and 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 um you know it's a combination thing because if you i they can't get pressure without blitzing and i think that's a problem and when they do get pressure they kind of create these lanes in the middle which bud foster talked about that allows the guy to step up and throw and then you know seven eight yards has been kind of these teams like you know money spot where they're just able to kind of advance the ball down the field then they allowed the one big 51 yarder but other than that they didn't have anything other than longer than 25 yards there was a lot of you know they had 26 completions um so i don't i don't know how to stop that i thought that's kind of what uh miami was a little more vertical in the passing game but i mean it's still they were just kind of moving the ball quickly down the field and tech couldn't just stop couldn't stop them couldn't get any of that kind of traction and um you know they they Foster said they don't want the guys running after the catch, and that was kind of the focus last week. But you got to be able to kind of disrupt, and they just don't have that kind of disrupting defense right now against those quick throws because they're struggling with the pass rush. Yeah, and you add another element into that this week is uh, Reggie Floyd, uh, the rover, is is suspended for the first half after being uh, called for a targeting penalty in the second half of the of the Rhode Island game. That's Devin Hunter's job now, at least for the first half. Uh, with some Neville, is it Neville Peoples? Nevin? Nassar. Ne- Nassar. Nassar, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Peoples uh, also, uh, you know, filling in there at that spot. We we talked to Bud about uh, Devin Hunter some today. You know, he's very effusive in his praise of the guy for hanging in there and, and being willing to work and, and always being a team-first guy, despite the fact that, he you know, when you think of four or five-star recruits, sometimes you think, well, he's probably a diva or something. But it, it's pretty clear that Devin is none of that. I mean, he's he's stuck through this. You wrote a huge story on him, uh, what was it, in September or August? Yeah, September, yeah. yeah. Uh, just give us a, a snapshot of that, like what you, what you know about Devin. Yeah, it was about him kind of sticking through it you know it's rare for a guy a health you know now it's a little less rare just because of the new rules but to, to redshirt your sophomore season when you're healthy mm-hmm. nothing's happened uh before games in the season they just said you know we got to make a change he's, he's bounced around positionally um didn't really think about transferring um which i think is surprising considering everybody that did transfer last year he wasn't those one guys that, that ran to the exit he kind of thought you know and he was one of the he's like the highest rated defensive recruit um, in the modern era or one of them um, you know especially in Fuente's time and so a lot of expectations for him that he hasn't lived up to and it was kind of you know basically the red shirting kind of he found peace and freedom in that that he was able to kind of finally go at his own pace um, and that's what Justin Hamilton when I talked to him earlier season talked about his trainers talked about his high school coach you know there was a lot of expectations and whether 
you know, he didn't buy into him. He didn't have an ego. But it does do something to you where you feel like you have pressure to kind of please the people in your hometown and in your state. And you, know, you come in with all, the, all those expectations and you're a special team player and you can't see the field. Um, but, you know, now he's got an opportunity. He's played a little bit, played about a series of game. Um, and on special teams this year, but this is his um, his his chance really, and um, uh, it's not it's not going to be uh, easy because Sam Howell, North Carolina's quarterback, is very talented, uh, and they'll probably pick on him. Um, and you know this is a this is a tough spot to be in, um, a tough penalty to get <laughs> right at the end of that game when you're going to win anyway for Reggie Floyd, but. Um, you know, this is what he's been waiting for. Hunter has, and and I think this is, uh, you know, certainly a test for him that uh, that I think he, you know, didn't want it to happen this way, but I think will relish the opportunity to say, I'm here and 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 I've learned the last year year and a half, and I can finally get some playing time. Right. Well, Bud says he has no question that he's going to perform well, but the reality is he has two tackles this season in six games played. He's on four different special teams units. Um, and as you said, every once in a while comes in and plays on the defensive unit. But he did say, and I, this is the kind of thing that I think makes would make Virginia Tech fans root hard for a guy like this. He said, you know, he was asked today. He said, well, why didn't you, why didn't you, you know, dip your toe into the transfer portal? Why didn't you consider that at all? And he says, I made a commitment to a school. And, you know, it's kind of the thing you don't hear anymore. He's like, I committed to school and I was going to see it out. I mean, what, whatever happened, I was going to finish it out and uh, do the best I could and see where it, see how it ends. But I wasn't going anywhere. And um, I think given what happened last year and, you know, some of the guys that have entered the portal and come back, uh, including uh, including Hooker, you yeah, know, including yeah. Hooker. Um, that's just in McLeese. <laughs> I mean, there's two guys right there, keys of your offense. Um, but I think I think there's a lot of reasons to pull for the guy if you're a tech fan. I mean, he's sort of in, for one thing he picked your school when he could have gone anywhere. And, for and he literally could have gone anywhere. He had offer. Yeah. He had visited Auburn. He visited Alabama. It's crazy to think. I mean, not a lot of guys, uh, even going back to Frank Beamer, were that, that wasn't the competition they were facing right. with those recruits. Um, and he had those options. And so um, I think fans will be rooting for him certainly because you want to see. You know, and Fuente talked about that last year. He's like, you know, you root for a guy that does everything right and listens and buys in, and he's done that. And he's one of those guys they want to see succeed because it also helps with your message, right? right. When you tell players to be patient, um, it's it, it stinks when they fail because then, you know, future players question it. Um, but they've done, you know, and sometimes I think the coaching staff gets a bad rap but because they but they have these guys best interests at heart like they they redshirted him because they didn't want him to waste a year on the playing a position they didn't feel comfortable at and so now he's he's at the right spot it's just a matter of can he make plays and it's tough i think coming in mid-season like this in a big game it's at home um that, there'll be some pressure and he's uh, you know hopefully he doesn't have an early mistake um, hopefully he can kind of work himself into the game, but um, obviously some you know stacks the deck against this pass defense that's already um, like we said struggled uh, the last six quarters going back to to Miami. Yeah. All right. So you wanted to talk a little bit about Miami. Well, you were in Miami. All yeah, week. I was. Um, and so uh, doing some scouting. I'm using air quotes <laughs> uh, on the beach. Um, but my question was, since you got to see Miami twice, yeah. you got to see them beat. Uh, they they came back and beat Virginia. Yeah. They made some changes. They were more reactionary than Virginia Tech was after the loss. Uh, Manny Diaz was, was not happy. I'm just curious how you now, after seeing Miami twice, uh, do you think 
Tech won. The, the win was a fluke. Do you think Miami was was it a solid win? You know, what do you make of that Miami win now? Kind of. Uh, a week removed, and seeing them beat Virginia. Well, I wrote about this during the week, and it was it was striking to me going to the press conference and going to the midweek practice that they had open there. And, Did you get to actually see practice? Uh, yeah, they had some portion of it available, and, and uh, they had interviews afterwards. Did and, you just like what is this? Is well, this <laughs> you know, because one of the reasons we wanted to leave me down there is. Uh, we figured they'd be talking a lot about the Virginia game, yeah, you know, yeah. that whole week. But that wasn't what was happening. It was very similar to the week before in Blacksburg, where it's all about yourselves. Like, you don't even think at all about the opponent because you've got so many things that are broken in your own minds. And it's – I mean, I think that's a good reminder to Tech fans that you're not alone. I mean, there's, there's other programs out there that have issues and that have things like this you know the the similarities between miami and virginia tech are pretty striking in terms of like you know unimpressive wins over bad teams and then you know baffling losses and you know tech fans might say well it's not baffling to lose to tech they were 14 point favorites they expected to win that yeah, game. yeah they were two touchdowns yeah. don't, don't re redo that um, game and they were really expected to win that game you know what years. really i think saturday did the virginia miami game more than like make me feel really good about the tech win is it made me feel less good about Virginia. Mm. Uh, their, their offensive line is really struggling. Uh, they lost Bryce Hall for the year. Of course, he's their NFL prospect uh, cornerback. Uh, that's a big loss for a defense that has a lot of piece, uh, pieces, but he was one of the best pieces. Right. Um, and so it just kind of throws everything up in the coastal again, I think. I mean, I, I think all these teams, you just kind of throw them in a bag other than Georgia Tech, which I think is probably a level below everyone. But the rest of them, I mean, you know, you really going to tell me Pitt can't beat uh, Tech or Tech can't beat Duke. I mean, I, well, I guess we, we saw that. <laughs> Tech can't beat Carolina. Or, right, you know, right. Tech, Tech can't beat Pitt. Or Virginia can't beat my – okay, I've given bad examples. <laughs> but but th that, that just goes – It's like a do-over on those it's examples. Just, it's just a big, massive confusion. Well, and I, 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 you know, my first thought when Bryce Hall went out, I mean, obviously terrible for him. He had a chance to go to the NFL last year, didn't, came back. Uh, we talk about players doing the right thing and, and getting punished for it. But I was like, wouldn't it be funny if by the end of the season, Virginia doesn't have either Bryce and that's what Tech faces? You know, it's like they could yeah. be down Bryce Par uh, Perkins – um and you know that that's where the streak streak continues because you know there's going to be an asterisk in Virginia fans' mind, but um because that offensive line is so poor now and you know your your prices already taken. Perkins looks spooked right yeah, now. Yeah, and looks so really scared. Um, that could change the equation of that game. Um, but so do you, you just think everybody's average, and so it wasn't it doesn't it didn't detract from that win at all. For, no, I mean for I, I was. I gave him full credit for the win over Miami. I mean, I thought yeah. that was, a, as I wrote, I mean, I thought it was a cathartic moment for the program, you know, just to get all that bad energy out and, and to win a game the way they did. But you look at the total yardage, I mean, Miami dominated in total yardage. I mean, right. it, it was the takeaways that made the difference and, and the, you know, the clutch plays by the offense late and the and then the ability to punch it in instead of settling for field goals when they got those turnovers early in the game. But there was, you know, if you're a handicapper, a gambling handicapper, what, what the, a lot of times they'll throw turnovers out because 
they skew things, you know, like right, like right. the next week, if you don't turn it over five times, you got a good shot uh, to play a lot better. And that's what we saw out of Miami. They took better care of the ball. They, of course, they had in Kosi Perry, who had the good half against Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's interesting. You play that game 10 times, <laughs> the Kosi Perry at the starting quarterback. How many times does Tech win? You know, a I, I, couple, two, maybe. Two, yeah, two. it's like I, 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 you're not going to get those five turnovers again in, no. in the first half. And, uh, and, and, and Perry looked like the real deal, whereas Jared Williams looked like, you know, why, why was this guy even playing? I don't well, even know what and happened. And back but. to the turnovers, he had not had a turnover until that tech season. game. Right, yeah, and then so he throws three picks on the first three possessions. Right. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of football. Right. You go crazy that's why you got to play the games, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but now looking at this game, uh, North Carolina – uh, Mac Brown kind of feels good about his team's chances to win the Coastal, and I guess why not at this point? Right. Anybody's got a chance. Um, but their freshman quarterback's really been impressive. I saw some of the game, uh, a couple of the games they've played this season. He, he's coming off his best game this season against Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech obviously the weakest team in the conference. Um, you know, I, what I thought about North Carolina last year was this was a talented team that just didn't have the sort of focus and the – quarterback to kind of get going they lost, lost, lost a lot of close games um offense was kind of a mess but they had talent and now they got the quarterback and a coach that seems to be hitting all the right buttons I, I, you know mac brown i don't think um anybody thought they'd be in this position they've already surpassed their win total of last year right um these teams battled last year with a close game and ryan willis made that drive and, and they won and are you are you thinking they're as bunched up this year or do you thinking North Carolina is now kind of taking a step ahead because they've kind of fixed a lot of their issues well the line's three and a half in favor of Carolina so you know I always uh, take a good long look at that but Bud basically said what you said he said you know look they've, they're always one of the more athletic teams that we play what they've been missing is a quarterback who can really lead them and and a confident nature about themselves and Mac he think is really he thinks is really brought uh, and of course performing well winning some games you're not supposed to win that always helps confidence too but they're playing with a little bit more swagger they're playing with a little bit more uh, just chip on their shoulder all those things all the cliches but uh, you know he he was very effusive in his praise of Sam Howell, the quarterback, saying, you know, he can do a lot of different things, and he's an, he's the ultimate competitor, which is uh, he thinks makes all of his tools play up, as they say. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, normally you'd say, well, it's a pretty much a coin flip, but uh, being at home should should help Tech. But, uh, you know, I, I, I question that. You know, we talked about it before the Miami game. How, yeah. how much is the home field helpful? And this, you know, you weren't there on um, Saturday. That was the, you know, the crowd at the start was okay. But then, you know, that student section is empty early. Um, and, you know, that environment that they preach. Um, and and for fair, look, it's fair. Like the, the team has not played well at home. They haven't had very good opponents at home. So like I understand, but at the same time, it's like, are they going to be able to kind of get any sort of, you know, you like to say juice out of uh, out of that stadium this weekend when they probably need it. You know, you're you're going against a quarterback that's a freshman, um, true freshman, um, that hasn't played in in lane stadium before and you want that thing to be going crazy because that's something that could give you a little bit of an edge and i don't know um that they're capable of that at this moment which you know fans will put on fuente and and wit and, and everything but regardless of how it got here this is where it is um but i think tech has to earn it back on the field and yes. and um gosh you just you know for for fuente's sake and, and the and the players you don't want another duke game 
because then, then I mean, uh, you know, it's just fool me once, fool me twice, right? Fans are gonna are gonna flee uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, these home games. Um, this is a big game, though. I mean, that, that it's is really is is huge. Uh, you know, bowl games a little bit of ways, but this is one I think you really need. Um, you know, you got that Georgia Tech one circled, but you need two others. Right. Um, and and this one I think is a winnable game. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it'd be pretty if they do win. But this is a winnable game that I think you definitely, you know, they they're missing some defensive backs. I think that are injured. Um, their offense is good, but not elite by any means. And they've got a young quarterback that could make probably make mistakes. You know, in, in, in just as quickly as as some as the as Darren Williams did when you just haven't done a lot. You know, you're always kind of close to having one of those moments um but i think it's a it's not a must win but it's it's a pretty important pivotal spot in the season here well i've crapped on this schedule since july i mean and as as everybody has but business you know, is I, about to pick up i've now, been though. talking is, about is, it yeah. ad nauseum but part of that was you know north carolina won what two games you said last year two or three two yeah um so that was part of it. I mean, you looked at this schedule and you said, well, this stretch right here. Right, yeah. Outside cares, of Miami. Who yeah. cares about uh, Carolina? You know, the home schedule, you know, right, right. who cares about Wake Forest? They're not. Well, actually, they, they're they decent. You know, they're yeah. pretty good. Um, so and who cares about Pitt? I mean, they, they they're going to stink this year. Well, maybe not. You know, they're kind of right where the Hokies are. Um, so but I, if I if you ask me about those three games, which one has the most juice to, to me, just just looking at it in a vacuum, UNC has the most juice. This is the juiciest game on the schedule. Juicy. Now, that could change uh, in terms of the home schedule. Now, that could change if you go into Pitt and you you know you need that one with Virginia on deck. You know, you need the Pitt win to, to secure a bowl. Uh, but for now, this is, uh, this is juice. This is Juice City. And I talked to – I talked to uh, Dax today. Juice. I asked Dax Hollyfield. I said, I said, look, you're a guy who feeds on emotion, right? You, the Miami game, that was the most fun you've had this year. Is that correct? You know, it's kind of like cross-examining a witness. You know. Would you agree that that was the most exciting game? Well, how much do you want to do that here in front of your home fans who, you know, trying to be patient with this team? And he's like, heck, yeah, we want to put on a show. Like, I'm so tired of not putting on a show at Lane Stadium. That's why people go to Tech. They want to go to Tech. Part of it is the football culture and the fun and and the excitement and it's his side of the ball that's responsible for that it's the defense because that for years and years the defense and special teams are what gets that that crowd going and if you if you were to get some free picks on three possessions like you did down in miami that place would you the lid would blow off the place you still you've not seen it that way I mean, no, just, you, no. Well, fans are sort of, and the fans are leery because they were fooled in that Duke game where everything was going right on defense, de- defense, and everything right. fell apart. And so they're, they're, I think they're sort of hesitant to buy in at this <laughs> point, where it's like you're always waiting for them, another team to just score forty straight points. Same, similar in that Georgia Tech game last year, where yeah. it was close at halftime, and then just, and then Notre Dame, same way they were in it for a minute, and it's just like, oh my god, you're walking out of that stadium, and be like, I think that game was a game for like 10 minutes, right. but then I don't know what happened. Everything fell apart. Um, it speaks to the kind of the inconsistency of, of this team right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, in recent years, this is a stretch where Virginia Tech has struggled. Cause even going back to Frank Beamer, you know, they were going at, at the end of the season down to where they had to win their last couple games. This mm-hmm. mid season, has it been like where there's just a swole kind of you know, like a swoon? A, yeah, swoon. Um, yeah, where, it seems that way. Because that because they've always had to kind of win out. What like four of the last seven it's years? Been, five yeah, of the last it's seven been years. more times than they've lost. And so yes. you know, 
need to kind of get some of these conference wins again. You need to kind of beat up on some of these opponents, and I don't know if they're there yet. No, I mean, it, but it doesn't feel unwinnable. You no, know, like no. I, I, I felt like the Miami game kind of felt unwinnable. So for and them, it to went get exactly th- like everybody thought, right? <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, certainly, uh, we'll get we'll get to our predictions at the end. But I mean, I think Tech has a good, really good chance here. It was fun. It's, it, we've, we've kind of been on the opposite side, I think, all season. It's, and it just speaks to, yeah, you don't know what you're going to get. And I'm sort of leery of, I, I think I'm in that case where it's like, wasn't going to pick them for Miami because they had, you know, the Duke game. I felt just like fooled that they, you know, talked it up and, and just really just fell on their face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still waiting to see, you know, you win this one. I think you feel better about some of those coin flips the rest of the season because yeah. um, they, they just haven't shown up for some of these games and played well so yeah we'll see but uh let's head to the pick three why don't you start uh maybe you could any of them from your miami travels electronic craps not, got, not so I good a, right i got a bone to pick with electronic it's terrible craps. It's all right terrible. if you've ever played that trouble game as a youth you know where yeah. you got the little poppy dome with the dice in the middle uh, which is a very fun game. You know, it's not very uh, taxing on the mind, but it's a pretty fun game for kids. Uh, this is a similar setup in which you, there's about eight seats around a dome with giant dice, and then every minute or so the floor drops out of the dome and, and uh, the dice fluctuate and bounce around, and then a reader from the ceiling. I mean, it's, it sucks. It's, it is, as as it Florida, pars- I know table games uh, stay outside of, like, blackjack. Yeah, no, the they had electronic blackjack too. Well, although there are places that do have regular blackjack down there. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I I was kind of hoodwinked because I looked on the website of this place and it said the only live craps in Miami, and I'm like, well, then that's my place because part of the appeal and it's a it's a gambler's fallacy, unless you're a dice control phenom, but which I'm not. But part of the fun of craps is you're rolling the dice. It's the one game where, like, you're re- like poker's sort of that way too. You're well, holding the cards. When things are going well, there's like sort of a community sort of. Yeah, the, there was none of that with. You don't get that cards. with the electronic, where you're sitting in a circle and you're not really yeah. near anybody. Everyone's just sitting there smoking cigarettes. Yeah, it was uh, like playing online craps, yeah. which it's just no fun either. I mean, it's like it doesn't feel like you're in it. Like, um, so yeah, and, and I didn't win. That helps. Like, if I'd have busted the table, who knows? Well, I might, but it's I might love but the dice craps. never seems to move very much. It's always suspect. Like, you you just don't know. Well, the thing is, if if you think it's crooked, then you just bet the don't pass line. That is an option. Like, you yeah. could bet against uh, the roll coming. Uh, the, Do the, you the keep, point. Did you keep your same strategy with the electronic? I did, game? and uh, it just didn't work. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't work. And so oh, I, I lost two fifty, and I, I bolted. Like, I I wasn't gonna. I'm going to Cherokee this weekend, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste money on electronic dice when I can play real, real thing. Right. Um, my first one. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this on the, the, the program before, um, but it's back for another season on Hulu. It's a Canadian import television show, Letterkenny. Um, it's about uh, four Canadian friends that uh, live in this sort of very um, the rural community in northern Canada. And it's about sticks and hicks, and it's very funny. It's all language based, so it's, you gotta you gotta get used to the cadence and the rhythm of their accents. But it's all it's all very clever and very funny. Um, so the there's a new season, six episodes, um, on Hulu, and now the whole series is on Hulu. So if you want to try, if you give it a try, give it a couple episodes because it does. Um, it's a very specific kind of humor, and some of the jokes you will not understand uh-huh. if you're not well versed in hockey and Canadian. 
uh, uh, pop culture and things like that. But uh, you don't need to to kind of get the, the the jokes and the the humor. Um, but it's it's very funny, and what you do understand um, should make you laugh. It's not. It's also uh, fairly dirty, so it's not really for kids. But it's, <laughs> okay. it's um, and, or, or planes. I yeah. Guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, not really nudity, <laughs> okay. um, but language wise, uh, yeah, I wouldn't listen to it just with no headphones on a plane. <laughs> uh, people might give you some some looks. Okay. Well, something a little lo- lower brow. I've, I've been watching, and I mentioned that I was going to give American Horror Story another shot. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm I'm getting into this season. I said it was a pretty uh, hack and slash kind of season. It looked like, but I there's been more, and there's still a lot of that. But there's been a, more storylines developing. A few surprises have been thrown into the mix. I've really enjoyed. It. I enjoyed it so much that I went back and watched the season seven, which is Cult, uh, which I just totally i was out of the ahs game by that point i was just like uh that one's based on the the trump election essentially and uh yes there's some there's some political underpinnings to it of course but the it's pretty good like i i I find it pretty entertaining uh it's, it's pretty well done so if you haven't seen that season you might want to give that a chance you can see that one free on amazon prime so um, if you if you're into that series and you were burned by things like Apocalypse, which I was, or you were burned by Roanoke, which I thought was really really stupid and lame, uh, try those other two seasons, including the one going on right now. Uh, my next one's a a, a story. I forgot what site did it. I'll, I can probably find the link and post it on Twitter. Um, when I post this, it's an oral history of the movie Airheads. Did you ever, did you ever see Airheads? I never did, no. You never saw Airheads with Brandon Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and, no. and Adam Sandler? I'm familiar with it. About the rock and rollers that take a, they take a, a radio station hostage to get their demo played in a concert. And uh, um, it's got a lot of famous people in it. Chris Farley, a young Chris Farley's in it as well. Uh, Michael McKeon, Joe Montagliano, um, and just a bunch of people and the oral history talks to probably about like 10 or 12 people involved in the movie actors. Uh, Brandon Fraser was the writer, the director, and a couple of the producers. And it was a fun look back at a movie that I, it was it, it bombed in the theaters when it came out mm-hmm. and then just caught on. Like it was always on Comedy Central when I was younger, like always on, like 24 hours a day. And so it was a cult classic that if you had seen it and have any appreciation for it, the oral history is definitely worth checking out. And if you haven't seen it, um, you should go see the movie Airheads track it down on a on a dvd because i don't have vhs tapes anymore but um <laughs> we're seeing very funny a lot of you'll see uh michael oh, michael richards before it was kramer was in there um just a lot and very funny that very is a good cast yeah it That's was a really good. strong cast and adam sandler before he had done anything you know except snl i think it was in the first couple of years of snl uh steve buscemi was his first weird comedy but he's done a lot of that but yeah, very good, very funny. Yeah, I can't believe I haven't seen that. That seems like you sent me. Yeah, the, in like the era. Yeah, you should. Uh, you should track it down. It's worth seeing. We were talking today about Dead Man on Campus and how much we enjoyed that movie. I don't remember. Was that, that was that uh, um, uh, Zach from Zach Save from? By the and Bell. was it Devin Sawa? Was it who was uh, the other guy? I can't I'm remember. Not sure. Yeah. But yeah, Mark Paul Gossamer or whatever Gossamer. Gossler, yeah, and he was he was fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but okay, my third one is. Um, uh, the new Malcolm Gladwell book is out. Uh, yeah, talking to that, yeah. strangers, I, I, 
I got that book out of the library, and I know people are split on on Gladwell. You know, the Canadian uh, journalist. Some people think he's uh, overly simplistic, using anecdotes as uh, as science when they're not really science. I just think he's interesting. I just think he's thought provoking. You know, I just think his stuff is. You know, you don't take it all as gospel, but it does make you think. And there's some stuff in there about uh, you know very big sports stories like. Joe Paterno uh, case and the uh, Larry Nasser case. I mean, that they kind of make you think a little bit more about those those situations that seem very very black and white, and and it adds a little bit of nuance to some of that. Uh, but there's also some stuff about espionage and and um, and just it it just makes you think, just like all his other books have. I've read I think everything he's written. The Blink I thought was one of his best efforts. Outliers was good. Um, uh, the tipping point was his first big break book, and that was good. Um, I didn't think it was as good as Blank, but I, I recommend it. I mean, especially if you can get it out of the library. You know, it's a, it's brand new. It was in every single uh, airport uh, yeah, shop, yeah, so saw, yeah. you know you, you might have a like I did. It was like a fourteen day loan. You got to get it back quick, but uh, it was worth getting. So SNL, I'm, I've I've watched SNL since I was you know a young kid staying up late. Um, and uh, off and on as the casts have changed, you know, I grew up with Dana Carvey's cast, and that was, you know, I mean, you talk about Phil Hartman, Kevin Nealon, uh, Dennis Miller when he wasn't, you know, as out there as he is. Um, just, you know, an amazing cast. Um, and then, you know, you kind of come come and go. Um, <laughs> this, this, this season's been pretty weak so far, even though I think the cast is pretty good. But they did. Uh, David Harbour, you know who he is from Stranger Things? Uh, the kind of the the sheriff. Yeah. yeah okay. He hosted on Saturday, and they did a, a, a Joker parody commercial, mm -hmm. and it was Grouch from Sesame Street, mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. It's like a filmed piece, so it wasn't like a live sketch. But if you had not seen it, if you've just seen the – all you really need to do is see the trailer for the joker or a couple mm -hmm. of the trailers to kind of get what they're going after and it is really 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 funny um it's got got just real life versions of all the different sesame street puppets and um very they're all like uh, and they're all like in the 70s new york <laughs> like they're all like you know prostitutes and druggies and it's very funny um because it it's it captures what the joker trailers are trying to do and puts a very uh funny spin on it um, but I hadn't seen a, a funny sketch like that in a while. This th this season hasn't been very good. Um, last season I had one good one. Idris Elba, uh, Stringer from the The Wire. Do you know who that is? Uh, uh, I've seen like two seasons of The Wire. I think Stringer Bell. Oh yeah, yeah, Stringer Bell. He hosted last year and he did a sketch. <laughs> you should seek this one out about PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Are these two two women? It's like this PowerPoint present conference, like teaching these workers powerpoint and these two workers are terrible at powerpoint and it becomes increasingly just strange and weird like all they did was post pictures their powerpoint presentation was just clocks just <laughs> one accidental image of a clock i'm probably not describing it or doing it justice but that was one of the funny ones last year but uh always an snl fan and, and grouch was a good parody to seek out are you gonna see the joker movie probably not oh i thought that'd be up your alley yeah i just it doesn't really kind of seem like my thing like okay. a, just uh i don't know well i'm very interested when i go down to cherokee this weekend whether so you're not covering the game this week oh no i'll be here saturday okay then so sunday absolutely. sunday i'm heading out um yeah because the Hokies have a bye and the next right, week is right. uh, uh 
the Martinsville race. So I'll be I'll be back in time for so that. So call him up the Hummer limo to, to take yeah, you down right after the game exactly. directly from Lane Stadium. Unless I retire because I've made so much money at uh, at at craps that I don't need to come back. But um, <laughs> I'll be interested to see if their their sports books up and running yet because they're, they're, oh, they're, they're getting they, one. They got they're one. Getting okay, one. awesome. Yeah. We have to let us know and, and give us a preview of uh, what it looks like. Yeah. Um, okay. It is time for pre. Predictions. Predictions. I didn't forget that. I got that on my sheet. So I'm going to go with uh, North Carolina. Um, I don't trust the pass defense. Um, I think the offense is getting started, but I don't think it's there yet. So I'm going to go North Carolina 35, Tech 24. You monster. Yeah, I know. Well, you're in first place now in the, after your 19-1 week. In the, I know. I'm, in, I'm having a good year. It's all going to come crashing down. I picked my big one last week was Louisville over Wake Forest, and that was a crazy game. Second highest scoring game in ACC history. I've told you before that I care about it only when I'm in the lead, and that showed today because I just went down the list and just whatever, <laughs> just whatever my heart said. I didn't look at the lines, I, you know, because usually you know some lines will, will pop up and surprise you, like oh I didn't realize X team was this good, you know, so uh, better take them. But now I don't care, so uh, hopefully I can just get lucky and, and pass you. Um, I'm taking the Hokies. Is this I, the, when's the last time you took the Hokies? Was, uh, it, was it just the Furman game? I mean, you, I didn't take them against Duke. I didn't take them against Miami. We didn't do one last week, so I didn't. Yeah, Furman. So it would have been Furman, and I think I said they were going to blast Furman. Did you take them against Boston College? No, I took so you haven't taken College. them against a Power Five opponent this year. I haven't. So this um, is the first. They've had they've had some success against UNC, and I know this is a different UNC team under a different coach. But I think there is a familiarity with this opponent that helps. Uh, I think they're th- this is I think this is kind of the last stand for the fan base too. I mean, I think they'll show up. I think they'll show up ready to to get into this one. They I think they'll understand. I know they understand how big of a deal this is for their program. Um, and you know, it's 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 one of those games where if you win it, man, all of a sudden you feel pretty darn good about being a Hokey. You know, and if you don't, you're right back into the murk that we were talking about two weeks ago. Well, you got if you win this one, you're five and two. You're five and two, and going into another bye. You know, you think the Notre Dame game is going to be a loss. Nobody ever thought either way if they were good or bad. It was it was that's going to be a tough win on the road. Five and three, and then you got some margin for error if you win this one. Um, and I think that's where you want to put yourself, especially with a young team. Um, um, but if you lose this one, yeah, it's going to be tough kind of the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, because you really only have one easy game, I think, um, or easier. Even that one's on the road. So um, against Georgia Tech. So, well, it, here's the thing, you know, the schedule crapping again. Um, <laughs> years ago, when Virginia Tech played Kansas in the Orange Bowl, Mark Mangino was the coach. Okay, that's and, going back. And Mangino was they were like 12 and one or something like that, 11 and one, whatever it was. But they you looked at their schedule. They had played nobody, not yeah. a single. I mean, they had a couple of decent teams on there, but a lot of just cupcakes. And, you know, somebody asked Mangino about his schedule. And he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm the smartest man in the world. Nobody. They just look at my record and they think we're awesome. You know, like they don't know. Like they don't they don't look at the schedule. And uh, here we are in the Orange Bowl. And I'm like, you know what? There could be something similar if Tech could get on a little bit of a roll here because I don't, there's no team on here that I think is unbeatable um, left. I mean, I, and, and after, again, after seeing Virginia 
Uh, no, Virginia's it, that, that that's a tough spot to lose your your uh, probably best I mean uh, best player by far. Yeah. Um I mean I still their their front seven still really good. It's not their defense that I really worry about. It's you but know But it's an emotional letdown to, to lose a guy and a, who's a leader it's a and psychological all, all from all the sounds of it is a, is a great on-field presence for them. Well, and he was a symbol and he still is, but I mean, his decision to come back was. But if you lose Batman, whole, Gotham's in trouble. Right. It was the whole idea that we have unfinished business, you right. know, like, and now you, you know, this guy who sacrificed, uh, you know, I don't know if he really would have been a first round pick last year or not, but I know the latest mock drafts had him this year. I would have been in the top, you know, first two days, first, two, first rounds. two rounds. Yeah, 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 yeah for so. sure. Um, okay, well, this will be good. We'll buckle up and we'll we'll enjoy watching this one. And I'm thankful it's 3:30. We'll have a little time to ride afterwards too. That'd be good. Yeah, three straight afternoon games. I, th- I was thinking this one might be an uh, might be a prime time one, just because now these teams are you know it's it's for this one will weigh heavily on the coastal division, especially for North Carolina if they if they were to win. Look at that slot. Was that Louisville Clemson that moved tonight? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, it's 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 all they're all. No, no, Clemson. I don't why. Why would you put Clemson in eighth? The spot? thing is, you know, the the Hokies. The last time they were put in the primetime spot spot was the Duke game, and that was just that a, was a, a complete that was mess. A, that was Nobody a wants Thursday to watch Friday game or whatever it was. Was it a Friday game? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you left your brain I, on a beach in Miami somewhere. I, I'm telling you, it rained four of the days I was there. I was no, there. Clemson, nine Louisville's days. noon. Uh, Florida State, Wake Forest is the ah, okay. is the. Um, night game who do you like in that game i've got to do my pick still i probably wake yeah who do you like in the virginia duke game that's an that's going on that'll be going on at the same time as that that north carolina you know and people have asked me are you going to go to that virginia duke no i'm going to go to virginia tech north carolina i think it's huge but you're yeah you could make a case for virginia duke being the biggest game uh it's certainly a huge game what are you who are you picking in that one you're uh i think i took virginia yeah, they're minus. They start out minus five. They're down minus three and a half. Figures. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the concerns about the offensive line are legit. I mean, it's just that and Bronco's been very upfront about them just not being good enough there. And um, so well, turnovers have killed them, huh? They've kind of gotten bitten by the bug Virginia Tech had. Yeah, I mean, Perkins was under siege uh, in both these last two games, and. Um, you know, you were if you're a Virginia fan, you're hoping the bye week maybe they can get some things straightened out a little bit, maybe figure out a scheme, scheme your way out of the problems you got on offensive line, and they just weren't able to do it. So, uh, Duke's not as talented as Miami, and it's in Charlottesville, so that helps. Uh, I think it's in Charlottesville. Uh, I haven't looked. Is it in Charlottesville? Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so are you gonna go right? So you got the Cherokee. Then are you gonna go right to South Bend to start doing preview content <laughs> from from Notre no, Dame? No, I gotta go to Martinsville, man. See cars go in circles. Man. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, when are you going to Atlanta? Are you going to Atlanta right after the Mar- the? No, are you just gonna <laughs> yeah. fly straight to just to get a jump on things? I got a close friend who lives down there. Yeah, I can just stay <laughs> with him for a week. Yep. Yeah, Aaron's new schedule is just getting to the nice places. Well, I should have made there. Airbnb one of my. Uh, I was Airbnb. You 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 were worried. Uh, <sighs> the people were wonderful. The people were my hosts, Fernando and Kathy. Wonderful people. I just could not have been nicer and could not have been more helpful for a guy who'd never done Airbnb. Sure. So, but but the the location and everything was not perfect for me. Like it was it was in a in a neighborhood. Um, Coconut Grove, and it wasn't you couldn't really walk to anything. Like, 
I I like to walk, you know that. Yeah, yeah. And so like I was thinking, oh, I can just walk to various restaurants or to the grocery stores and or or, or just here's what I really needed. Just a gas station. I could just go get a cup of coffee. You know, like in the morning. And some beef jerky and smokes. And some jerky <laughs> and some jerky and some dip. Yeah, do you know how much dip costs down there? <laughs> I have no concept of how much dip costs. How much is that more expensive than here? Uh Virginia's a very dip friendly area. <laughs> It's like three bucks, uh, but now I, I came prepared. So <laughs> don't don't dip, folks. It's not good. All right, um, I think that's it. I that think that's good. All We're right, good. we'll get back together next week. We will actually do this. No, we'll, no, we won't. I, I'll be in Cherokee. I'm gonna look. I gotta I gotta order a part for the uh, this recorder, doodad, to be able to do it on the phone. Um, and I just I, I try. I looked. I actually went shop. I went out. So I did. I did for the two listeners we have. I tried to go. Um, but apparently Best Buy is not very Best Buying anymore because they don't have any audio equipment. Oh, they don't have the... And, um, what about Radio Shack? Is that still around? I don't know if that's still... I don't know if there's one in in the... <laughs> I don't know if there's one in the state. I actually don't know. But, what about um, Amazon.com? I could, but I didn't want to get the wrong one because I need a specific connection. There's one in Roanoke, a music store that I might try. But I hate going to those those places because they're kind of snobby and you ask, like, oh, yeah. I need one of these. And they're like, Neophyte, you don't have an amp. It's like, well, no, it's for podcasting. They're like, Ugh, sports <laughs> podcast, loser. So I just, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to try it. And I, now that I know that you're going to be on a road. <laughs> I had no idea you were so anti-music store. No, yeah. They're just very pretentious there because yeah. they're like, the, yeah. the, the, you know, I don't know how to play a guitar. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. It's, it's like, like going like, to a jewelry store. Like you just. You, I'd feel more comfortable in a jewelry their, store. You're completely at their No, because if you have cash at a jewelry store, they don't care what color money is. At a music store, they do. They're like, well, if you're not going to spend it on this awesome stuff. <laughs> wow. yeah. I have not had these dark experiences. <laughs> that's a, that's a, don't, don't, don't go. Don't okay. be careful. All right. Well, we will sign off now and we will get back together next week, hopefully. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarlane. We'll see you next time.